it is so good to see you all this morning. I am truly blessed to be here with you. Now, you guys said you are ready for the word, right? You guys said you're ready, you're expecting something. So say this with me if you believe that God wants to speak to you, that God has something to say to you if you're open to God's words. They say this with me. Say, I have ears to hear. I have eyes that perceive. And I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living word of God. Now, come on now, give it up. Listen, there's nothing more powerful than a receptive heart to the seed, the word that God has to speak into your life. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled, I'm In. I'm In. And what we've been doing is exploring the different aspects of what it practically means to be in the body of Christ as a part of his church. How do we do that? How do we, how do we function in the midst of the body? And so far, we've learned a few things. We learned week one that we're invited, that it all starts with accepting a personal invitation and coming into a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Week two, we learned that we are invaluable. How many of you believe that you are invaluable? You believe that? Those of you online, you believe that? About two of you here believe that? All right, we're going to pray for you. We're going to have an altar call and all that good stuff. Now, listen, you are valuable, but your value is not maximized until you begin to invest it into another. That's how value works. And then last week we learned that we are involved. That we're involved in the call of God. We're involved in the mission that God has to reach the world. Well, today I want to talk to you on the topic, I'm in partnership. Say that with me, I'm in partnership. That's not too exciting, is it? That that doesn't sound too exciting. I I get it, I get it. You know, partnership says a lot. Let Let me show you a video real quick that kind of highlights this in regards to what we're going to be talking about today. Let's go ahead and play that. everything for me to serve it means that I'm not focused on myself that I'm allowing myself to be used by God and to be connected to something else outside of myself it means that it's not about me I said that earlier but it's the truth it's all about serving the kingdom and helping my fellow man it means that we just get to reach people and be with people and love on people and do God's work Um, just to help others. Because I'm forming, helping to form their lives in the Christian way through the Word of God. It means everything to me. It means me stepping out of my comfort zone and doing something that's different so that God will be glorified. I play the bass guitar. Um, There was a need in the church I think it was said from the pulpit uh, that there was a need, and um, I just, you know, I, I played the bass, so wanted to help. I was given the opportunity by Pastor Annette and Karina, and I took the opportunity because I wanted to learn more about um, responsibility. It wasn't my choice. <laughs> Serving was just a way for me to meet new people and engage and build friendships. 
because as I was visiting the church and as I decided to make the church my home church, um, I recognized um, that I needed to take it a step further, you know, that I couldn't just sit on the sidelines, um, but that I wanted to get involved in what this church was doing. I have learned new skills, if anything. Like from a change of position came a change in experience. I think it just always enhances your life. It enhances your life um, because you see the impact that you have. Um, you see how you support the work that's being done. So you get to see how your, what you sometimes perceive as a small role um, impact others around you. If you're interested in serving, I would say go for it. I'd say go for it and just go for it. I would say just to do it, don't think about it, don't overthink it. Do it, it's so much fun, it's never boring. It's not hard, it's easy. Just have confidence and faith and believe that you can do it. Trust God and he'll lead you the whole way. Just jump right in, not to be afraid. Just try it. Get the experience of serving other people. It makes you feel better about who you are as a child of God. If we can do it, you can. <laughs> you know, I, I believe that the word partnership is primarily challenging for most people because if you think about the operative word in partnership, it draws your attention to someone else. It's a partner. It's someone that you're vested in. It's someone that you, 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 you dare to care for. It's someone that you, you, you desire to contribute a difference to. And here at Church of the Bridge, uh, you know, we believe what the Word of God says. Let me, let me show you exactly what I mean and why we model everything that we do in light of that. And, I, and can, I just, can we just give it up for our partners, yourself included? It's amazing what God does through the lives of people. But, you know... Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we looked at this last week, and I told you I wanted to really go a little bit more into it this week. It says that, starting at verse 42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, pra praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to them daily those who were being saved. And so I want you to see something that partnership is important in the body of Christ. It's important, uh, it's so important that without you and I, without these early pioneers that dared to love God, but dared to love each other, that dared to step outside themselves and care for someone outside of themselves. I love what I, I kept hearing in that video. And by the way, I was wondering, because I don't have anything to do with these things. That wasn't scripted, right? Because a bunch of people were talking about, uh, it's not about me. It just pushes you outside of yourself. And I'm like, is that really happening here? No, it's happening. It's happening. That was a lot funnier in my head. But anyway, we'll move along. But my point with that is that partnership in the body of Christ is important. It's so important that without people like you, without 
like uh, people like these early pioneers, there wouldn't be a church. Amen. There wouldn't be a move of God. I want you to think about this. It, it, I've heard it said, you know, uh, in years past and even to this day, that what we need in this day and age is revival. We need more signs and wonders. And, you know, in my humble estimate, based upon what I see in the Word and our experience here, signs and wonders haven't left. Revival is still at work because Christ is still alive in you. His church is still thriving. We are still standing. We're still called and walking in what God has called us to. And so the thing about it is that uh, what, what has left in some places and is lacking among many today is this heart rooted in partnership. Consider this, that the success of the early church, the great signs and wonders that they experienced, and the advancement of the gospel was based on people in partnership. People in partnership. When the Bible says that they had everything in common, it does not mean that they existed in relationships as we come to understand them today. Let me tell you what I mean. Isn't it true that the person that you call your best friend, if that's what you call them, they're probably someone that you have mutual interest in common with? They're probably people that you have shared experiences with, right? They're probably people that you, there's something about their lifestyle or their approach or their style or what they like or what they do that is similar and runs parallel to your life. But see, when the scripture talks about them living and sharing all things in common, it's using a Greek word that's ter- that, that, that is the Greek word koinos. And what that word means is it, be, it means belonging to all. It means sharing with all. It means shared by all. It's literally referring to partnership. These people understood that, yes, I need God, but I need you just as much. Now, I know that that ruffles some feathers because, Pastor, you just said that you need me just as much as you need God. Don't, before you knock me, check with me in the scriptures. We're going to look at that in a second. But I want you to consider this in, in, in this point of partnership, that you are not just called to be a part of the body. You and I are not just called to be a part of the body. You and I are called to be in partnership with the body. Because when we operate in partnership, powerful things happen. Let me show you how important it is to exist in partnership in the body and why I say it's equally important. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says this, As you come to him, speaking of Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Listen to what God says about each and every one of us in the body. He says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want you to consider what the scriptures declares about you in the body of Christ. It says that like Jesus, who is the living stone, you are a living stone. And when it talks about a living stone there, it's talking about someone who's active, someone who's blessed, someone who's breathing, someone who's leaving. Everybody do this with me that's here. And if you're online, you can do this with us too. Grab your two right fingers and put them together like you're going to do scouts on them. And then I want you to put them on your left wrist, right? And just feel there for a moment. You feel a pulse? 
Oh, you're alive. You're living. Everybody do this with me. You're breathing, right? Any blessed people joining us today? You're blessed, right? Do you still have the ability to be active, to do something, to contribute something? Do I have some of those people here? Absolutely. So get this. The scripture says that you in Christ are a living stone. And as a living stone, here's what happens. We build a spiritual house. We build a spiritual house. You know how that happens? Because one stone not only adds strength to the one above it, but it takes strength from the one beneath it and the one on the side of it. You know, we, we have a building here that um, is full of brick, and I, I, I kind of love it. I think we got a cool building, right? But all the brick in this building, but the thing about it is that no brick is strong in and of itself without each and every other brick that supports it. Another portion of Scripture says that Jesus is our chief cornerstone. He's the fundamental, the foundational, the bedrock peace upon which you and I are building, our lives are being built. But here's the thing. What good is the chief cornerstone if it doesn't have bricks to build with? See, you're important. I'm important. We're important. You are a life-giving stone in the body of Christ. And so this is how a spiritual house is built. This is how a move of God happens. This is how miracles and wonders and signs occur. This is how healing uh, reaches the hurting. This is how the gospel touches the lives of people and brings power into their lives that leads them to salvation, that brings about life change. And so when Jesus first began his ministry, consider this. He didn't do it alone. He didn't do it alone. As a matter of fact, he needed people. Before he began his ministry, he needed John to make a way for his message. That was the way God wanted to do it. And, and after that way was made, he needed people to carry this message on. So let me give you an example of partnership from the book of Luke chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 1, and it says that one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the, uh, from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch and Simon answered master we've done we've worked hard all night and have caught and have not caught anything but because you say so I will let down the nets and so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink and when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore left everything, and followed him. 
Now, if you know anything about Jesus, here's what you know. That Jesus was that dude that could literally walk out on the water and preach the message. He didn't need a boat. But what we see is that Jesus did not choose to do that. Jesus did not choose to just do it all on his own. In fact, what Jesus saw was an opportunity. Jesus saw a man who was busy with fishing that he was concerned with leading to be a fisher of men. And so in the scriptures, what we see is that Jesus starts to speak to the people. And as he's speaking to the people, he sees the need to go out into the water. And one of the reasons why that most likely happened is because where Jesus was, it, which is literally the Sea of Galilee, if you, if you check it out on your own time, the Lake, Lake Gennesaret is the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was speaking in a place where you had uh, Mount Hermon on the right, Mount Moran in front of him, and Mount Tabor to the left. And so here Jesus is in the midst of this, and he says, pull back. He probably wanted to take advantage of the acoustical effects. And as he's speaking to the people, he's reaching them, he's bringing a message of hope. And what we know from the scriptures in Matthew 7 is that it says that when Jesus taught, when Jesus spoke, when he reached out to people, that they wondered. They were amazed at the fact that he spoke as one who spoke with authority. In other words, he spoke truth to such an extent that it far exceeded the manner and the teachings of the religious elite of those days, the, the greatest rabbis. And so Jesus tells uh, Peter, step out, take the boat a little bit out. But after he's done preaching, he says to Peter, go a little bit deeper. We're going to dig into that in a second. I want you to see something here that Jesus did not choose to do this alone. He chose to do this with people. There's a great book that I read many years ago, just, just as a matter of recommendation, a side note. It's a book by a guy named Robert E. Coleman. It's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And what it reveals is literally what we're talking about today. It's not so much about partnership, but what it talks about is how Jesus it methodically chose men to touch the lives of all mankind. See, God is into partnership. Let me show you that from John 15, verses 4 through 5. It says, abide in me and I in you. See, there's a connection there. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, for a long time, I understood this verse one way growing up. And you got to understand, I grew up in the Marines, right? It was like hammer and nails. God was the hammer and we were the nails. And we were always getting, anyway, I, I don't want to get on that soapbox. But the, my point is, um, I understood this one way for a very long time. I understood this as, I need God. And that is true. We all need God. Would you agree? But what I believed was I need God, but God doesn't need me. And I think that sometimes we make the mistake where we believe that we are insignificant as a part of the family of God. We believe that we're puppets. God's not into puppets. God is into chosen people. And so I want you to consider this that Yes, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. But think about this. The branch cannot bear fruit without the vine. Amen. 
but neither can the vine produce the fruit without the branch. See, you are essential to God, right? Without the branch, there is no bridge to get to the point of bearing fruit. And so I want you to consider something, and then I'm going to give you some scripture to, to qualify it. God needs you just as much as you need him. I'm going to say that again. God needs you just as much as you need him. Listen, it's not that he cannot do the miraculous without you, but he chooses not to do it without you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3.9. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3.9. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. Fellow workers. You know what it's saying there in the Greek? It's saying that we are companions in labor. We are partners with God. We are working side by side with God. And listen, whether you're living up to that end or not, I need you to understand this, that you're still a partner because God is still in partnership with you. God still loves you. God has not given up on you. His, his answer to every promise that his word declares about you is, yes, it's true, and amen, so be it. It'll come to pass. If I said it, I'll do it. And so listen, he says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So here's a question. What's a field without the seed and the sower? And let me ask you this question while we're at it. What's the seed and the sower without the field? See, to produce a great harvest, to do what God wants to do, both must coexist and work together. It's you and God. It's God and you working in partnership. And that's exactly what happened here with Peter. Now, we're going to dig into this story a little bit, but I want to leave you with just three main points as we uh, come to, to, to the final portion of our message today. And I want to give you some practical things to consider about what partnership looks like in the church, in the body of Christ. And the first thing that I want to say to you is, I mean, it's almost obvious. It is obvious but it's necessary to say it. It's that you are in partnership with God. I'm going to say that again. You are in partnership with God. You are. Up until his meeting with Jesus, up until this point in Peter's life, Peter was in partnership with men. He was a fisherman. And what we see is that he was out fishing with his partners. That's what the scripture says. That's not my opinion. It's just what the scripture says. Peter was in partnership with men. And at the end of this day, what we find is that Peter and his partners are washing their nets and calling it a day after a fruitless effort to catch fish. But then Jesus shows up. Man, that's good news. Jesus shows up. And in the hearing of Peter, he's declaring a message to the people. And then all of a sudden, he sees Peter's boat. He takes note of two boats, and he says, I'm going to step into this boat. Now, Peter's busy washing his nets. And I imagine that as Peter sees him, he's saying, the day's over. And I'm not into giving people rides in my boat, probably. So he goes, what's this guy doing? And, and he says to Peter, cast off just a little bit off the shore. And as Peter goes into the shallow part of these waters, right, Jesus begins to speak and this echo is bouncing back and everybody's intent 
upon his words and they're hearing something they've never heard. It's tur- the Bible says that the gospel turned the, 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 the nation of, of, of Israel upside down as John came and he began to declare the kingdom coming and then Jesus came after him. And so this, pow- this is a powerful moment. And as Jesus is speaking to these people, he's sharing with them, but keep in mind that Peter's in the boat listening. Peter's there too. Peter's listening too. And so during his message, Jesus gets to the point where he wraps it up and he goes, okay, I'm done. And he says to Peter, now Peter's thinking we're going back to the shore. And Jesus says to him, hey, Peter, go into the deep. Go into the deep. I'm going to tell you why. Because in the shallow ground, in the shallow waters, you're not going to catch much, if anything at all. He says to him, go out into the deep. And he's using this as a teachable moment in Peter's lives and also in our lives. And so the Bible says that Peter goes out into the deep. Now, when Jesus tells him goes out, go out into the deep, he also tells him why. He says, we're going to go fishing. Listen to Peter's response again in Luke 5, verse 5. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But watch this, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, it's important to note that at face value, it appears that Jesus' intent in this moment, up until this moment, was to reach the masses of people that were there. If you dig into the history, you'll note that in those times, in that region in particular, where Jesus was speaking at that moment, it was comprised of over 204 different villages. So there's a lot of people there. And it would seem like this is Jesus' mission. This is what he's about at this moment. This is what he's trying to accomplish. But in reality, Jesus was interested in something bigger. He was interested in this man. He was interested in what would happen through this man. Now let me tell you something. God is not only interested in your life. He's interested in the people that he can reach in partnership with you. He's interested in the strength that you receive, but he's also interested in the strength that you release into the life of another. And so what I I found astounding here is that Peter is an expert fisherman. He's an expert. Listen, this guy isn't just casually fishing for some porkies. This guy's out there trying to catch fish because it's his living. So this guy knows how to read the incoming tide. He knows how to, he's he's got a sense of when the fish are biting, where the fish are biting, when to call it a day. And Jesus comes and says to him, go out into the deep and listen to Peter's response at this moment. Peter says, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, we'll drop the nets. I want, you to, I want you to hone in on this because you can't miss this moment in this experience. Peter went from being the expert to acknowledging the expertise that Jesus brought. The word master there in the Greek means overseer, and it speaks, it says, one with greater authority. Now get this, Peter just left the water and there were no fish. He caught nothing. And mind you, he says, we worked all night. 
We did, we, we did this for hours. We caught nothing. But he says, Master, you who have greater authority. You know, what Jesus, you know what Peter realized at that moment? Mind you, Peter had just heard the message. So he recognized something about Jesus. He says, not only do you have authority for, to tell me to go out into the deep, but you have authority over the fish. You have authority over these circumstances. I want you to hear something, that when you go deeper with God, you discover the authority that God wants to unleash in your life and to change the circumstances for you. Now get this. Look at the partner that you and I have. Look at his heart and his intentions towards you. And so in that moment, Peter cast the net, and all of a sudden, they catch a boatload of fish. So many that it begins to sink their vessels, and he's got a call for help, and Peter does something amazing. The Bible says that he calls out to his partners. Now, what I love about this is that Peter, despite being the a mess, because we know that for a fact because he was without Christ up until this point. Despite being a mess, he had a heart to do what Jesus told him. How do we know that? He understood who Jesus was because the scripture says that he responded to Jesus in that moment after the miracle. Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. He understood divinity was before him. He understood this was the Christ. But what I love about it is that Jesus told him, do it. And Peter didn't just cast the nets. He included people in partnership. He sought others. You might not realize it, but I want to encourage you to consider something today. That God is in your boat. Listen. God is in your boat. And is it possible that the only reason why you're not perceiving that and not receiving what he's already done for you is because you're still in shallow waters? Is it possible that God is saying to each and every one of us today, go deeper. Go deeper. Go further out. I know you've been there. I know you've tried this. I know you went to that church and it blew up in your face. I know people hurt you. I know that maybe you, you don't want to do it again because you did it again and again and again and again and again. And I'm telling you, go one more time. Go again. But go with me this time in partnership. Let me show you something about your partner. And about why it's necessary to understand this as a part of his church. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Question. Let's leave that verse up. Who's doing the work there? Listen closely to what the scripture is revealing here. God is doing a work in you. It's according to his will. And he's leading you to a place of action in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's not that you're not in partnership with God. 
here's a good question, a sobering question to consider. Are you partnering with God? Are you partnering with God? Do you understand that? It leads me to a next point. You guys all right? This is all right? This is good? It's good? Okay, good. I just want to make sure you're good. It got real quiet for a moment, so I'm like, okay, they're really thinking. I'm thinking too. Listen, I'm preaching this to me too. The second thing I want to leave you with here is this, is that partnership leads us to take responsibility. Partnership leads us to take responsibility. Can I just put it this way to you? I understand the call that I have upon my life as a shepherd. I understand that, that I am responsible. The scripture tells me in the book of James that if I aspire to, to teach the word of God, that I'm doubly accountable to God, Amen. right? So I understand the responsibility. But here's what I also understand, that not only am I responsible to you, not only are you, Paulina, responsible to Melissa and to, and, and to Isabel and to a Christine and to a Michael. Listen, not only are you and I responsible to God, we're also responsible to each other. We're responsible to each other. And that's important because for Peter, this was more than an advantageous moment for his business because of a large catch of fish. After all, he's a fisherman, right? This was a life-defining moment that changed the focus of his life and all that he understood. It drove him to the place where he took the responsibility on to devote himself to a life after Christ. The scripture says they left all and followed him. Do you understand the great expense that came at? But here's the thing. Once you go deeper with Christ, you begin to discover the responsibility not just to follow him, not just to devote yourself to him, but also to advance his greater purposes. It changes everything. You know, there's a guy in the Bible like Peter, a guy named Paul, who was a man who went on to be used mightily by God. This guy had a deep revelation of Christ, so much so that he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He brought, he brought clarity to the other apostles and to what people understood about the gospel. He, he brought great revelation about our freedom in Christ, about sin now, no longer having uh, uh, power over the life of a believer. He brought up great revelation about what it means to be in Christ and now our new identity. This guy unleashed a great amount of teaching and power all because he was in partnership with Christ. He helped establish the early church. He performed great miracles. He saw them happen through his hands and through the lives of others but the thing about it is this that this did not happen without partnership it did not happen without partnership can I say something to you if you see a great man of God a great woman of God a great ministry in the kingdom you better bet your bottom dollar on this number one it'll be based on the word of God solely the word of God it won't be opinion it'll be the word but number two, what you'll find is a host of people in partnership. And here's what else you'll see. You'll see that that partnership extends beyond the four walls and it dares to touch communities. That's partnership. That's a healthy church. That's a good place to be. And so in 
Paul's life, it was no different. In his ministry and what God was doing through him and through the other apostles, other apostles it was no different. Philippians 4, 14 through 19 puts it this way. It says, yet it was good of you to share. That just simply means partnership in the Greek. Uh, that's a, a variation of the word uh, koinos uh, there, that word share. It says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared. It's the Greek word koinonio. It's talking about partnership. He says, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts... Listen closely. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. This man was bent and intent on the advancement of the kingdom and the people of God. Right? And so he says, I have, uh, I have, he says, not that I desire gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. He says, I've received full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Can I say something to you? Because many of us get excited about, uh, uh, about Philippians chapter 419, where it tells us that God uh, provides uh, according to his riches and glory for us. But listen closely. It's speaking within the context of people in partnership. In partnership. At the writing of this letter, Paul was under house arrest in Rome. He was facing charges that threatened to place his life in jeopardy. And the only reason why he had some level of reprieve was because he held Roman citizenship. And so he was, he was under house arrest. So he was still able to minister. He was still able to entertain people that came and reach them with the gospel. And so prior to this point... Paul had traveled and he had preached and raised up churches and worked with leaders and he had given his life for the church. But all of the churches that Paul had poured his life into, none of them helped him in the way that they should have. That's what we're seeing here. And so in order to cover the necessities of the ministry efforts that God had entrusted to him and the team that he had around him, Paul, the scriptures tell us, worked as a tent maker. That was a lucrative business back in those days. But listen, Paul worked as a tent maker by day, probably maybe at night as well. And in his free time, what Paul did was this. He trained leaders. He preached the gospel. He raised up the church. He established communities of believers. And the thing about it is that this wasn't the best plan. But because he lacked the support, it's what he did. He understood what he was called to. And so while in Rome, at the writing of the book of Philippians... Paul is writing in response first to thank them for their gift and also to impart into them and share with them some things that God has placed on his heart and to encourage them. But Paul is writing to these people and then Philippians is the letter that he received beforehand and with this letter came a special gift. In that package, he found a sizable gift that the Philippian church had sent to support him during his time of difficulty and for the continuance of the work of the ministry. In other words, get this, the Philippian church didn't just say, man, I'm praying for you, brother. 
I'll keep you in prayer. And then just forget about him. Instead, what we see is that they understood their responsibility to further the kingdom and to partner and support what God was doing. Right? And so they took responsibility for the advancement of the gospel and the practical efforts associated with it. Can I say this to you with love? Strictly with love and in line with the word of God. If partners in the body of Christ are not sharing the load, what we have is not partnership. What we have is a sinking ship. That's what we have. It will not lead to fruit unto the King of Kings. It will not produce. And so I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that the call on your life encompasses you being in partnership with God, being in partnership with his people, being in partnership with the kingdom's efforts through the church body, the call. See, if I could just be frank and transparent with all due respect, for some of us, what we're thinking about is that I'm talking to you about your money. Let me say something to you. I'm talking to you about your call. I'm talking to you about the high call that we have to partner with God, to partner with his kingdom efforts, to partner with people. And in doing so, we receive strength, we add strength, and we build a spiritual house. A house that's strong, a house that's united, a house that dares to step outside the walls and reach people with the gospel both in power and in demonstration, but also in practical meeting of needs and service. Yes, and so your partnership and support are crucial because they advance efforts that make it possible for the sower and the seed to work collaborative, collaboratively in the field of people's lives. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, and what it says to you and me. It says, He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Yeah. According to the word of God, here's what we see, that you and I have seed. But that seed has two purposes. One, it's to sow to advance the kingdom. It's to sow towards the kingdom. But the other is this, it's to sow so that we can eat our daily bread. Let me prove that to you. Notice that he, the sower gives seed. But he doesn't give you the seed to eat the seed. He gives you the seed to work the seed so that you can produce and advance the kingdom and at the same time reap for your needs and be nourished and be supported and helped yourself. See, if we're not living with this way, in this way, if we're not living with this understanding, if this is not our truth, then the reality is that we are not in partnership. We just want the benefit of participating in our personal provision. And can I say this? With the authority of God's word, that's ungodly. That's ungodly. Now, there are some of you that maybe you're saying, man, well, my seed is so small. 
what I can do, my talent, my gift, my time, my resources, my know-how, my life experience, it's all so small. Listen to me. It takes one seed operating with another seed, operating with another seed, cooperating with the ground, cooperating with the sower, and so that we can reap a harvest. Don't minimize the power of your seed, but be faithful to continue to partner with God and His kingdom. And the last point I leave you with here as we stand is this. It's that partnership is the bridge from God's hands to people's lives. I'm going to say that again. Partnership is the bridge from God's hands to people's lives. Listen, while Jesus was reaching the masses in that moment, his ultimate goal was to reach the world through a man named The world in the final moments of Jesus's life as he took his final breaths on the cross I'm pretty sure that to the world and everyone around it appeared that everything that Jesus spoke about and everything that Jesus claimed about himself and about his ministry and about what God wanted to do in the world it appeared that it would all died his disciples were all gone but one and yet Jesus, in his master plan to reach the world, poured his life and partnered with 12 men. And he sowed so much into them by his example, by his provision, by his love, by his resources, by the truth that he shared. It was so powerful that even when these men fell, that seed that was incorruptible in them was so powerful that it produced life in them. And these men went on to reach the world. They're still doing it today. Why? Because you and I are here as a testament to it. That's the power of partnership. That's the plan that God has. See, God's master plan for your life. <laughs> God has a master plan for your life. And it's for a purpose. Partnership is for the purpose of power being passed on to the lives of people. That's what it's about. That's what this is all about. There's a portion of scripture where Jesus is with the disciples and he's been ministering all day. And the scriptures say that the disciples say, hey, send the people away been a long day. Send them out so they can go get something to eat. It's getting late. The Bible says that Jesus looks at them and he says, you feed them. And these guys go, about um, you know, the way my bank account is set up right now, you know. And they give all these excuses and they say, listen, it would take almost a year's wages to feed all these people. We don't have enough. A little boy shows up and he goes, oh, I got something. Opens up his lunchbox and he says, I've got Two fish and five breads. And the disciples, they mock it. They go, this, what, what's this among so many people in need? But the Bible says that Jesus said, bring it here. Give it to me. And it says that he blessed it. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that Jesus modeled partnership. Because the Bible says he told them, tell the people to sit down. Break them up in 50s and groups of 100s. Bring me the fish, bring the bread. He blessed it. And then it says that he fed the people, but watch how he did it. He placed it into the hands of the disciples. 
leaving Jesus' hands, there were two pieces of fish and five pieces of bread. But once they got into the hands of people that understood, but you said, Master, it multiplied. It multiplied. I've made this statement before, and I'm going to say this again. When people of God begin to partner with God in his kingdom, when we understand the partnership that is supposed to exist among us in every regard, in every facet of our lives, with every resource that we have, be it time, be it talent, be it experience, whatever it is, be it your finances. Listen closely. When we partner with God, not, it's a multiplication, but watch why. The multiplication's not for you. The multiplication blesses you, but it blesses the people. It blesses the kingdom. It advances the agenda of God. Get in partnership and watch God do amazing things in your life, but most importantly, through your life. Amen? Father, we come to you today in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, with hearts responding to your truth and deference to the reality that you have revealed to us, Lord, we humbly thank you. We worship you. We lift our hearts. We lift our sights above life and above circumstances. And Lord, we thank you for the high call. Lord, you say that you're a living stone, but then you call us living stones like you. Thank you, Lord, that you would choose us that you call us precious. And Father, that you have deemed that through us, as we are set upon the chief cornerstone, Lord, not only are we receiving strength, but we're adding strength to those around us, those above us, those that are under. Lord, everyone, you have chosen your people, Lord. You have chosen us to be living stones and thus to build a spiritual house. A house that has room for all people. A house that welcomes the hurting. A, God, a, a house that embraces the rejected. A house that, that lifts up the ones torn down. A house that has open homes where everybody else has closed doors and lives to them. We thank you for that call. We thank you for that privilege. We thank you for the high call to be in partnership with you. And what you want to do through us. Now, it's very possible that this here today, maybe you're joining us online and you're hearing this and you've never seen yourself in that light. You've never understood that maybe you haven't considered God, but God always considers you. The Bible says that he's the God who reigns on the wicked and the just alike. He provides for all. God loves you. And at this moment, what I need you to consider is this, that God says, I'm in partnership with you. I gave my son. I paid the price to pave the way for you and me. If you believe that today, friend, you need to understand this, that God so loved you that he gave his son to die to death, to cover the debt that was owed for sin. It was something that you and I couldn't make up. Our bank account was in negative. And God said, I'll overpay to not just make the difference, but to provide for the rest of your life. And so he died the death of a sinner, but he rose from that death as God himself, proving this, that he's God, and proving that you can rise today too. If you believe that, 
If you believe that in your heart right now, if you believe that God says you're his partner because he's in partnership with you, then pray this with us. We're going to pray this with you in support and in confidence. Say this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you love me. That you died for me. Paid the price for my sin. And you rose again as God. And so I rise today. Today I declare you're my Lord and Savior. I call you my God. And from this day forward, I trust you. I'm following you. I'm in partnership with you. And I expect better things. Come on now, if you believe that, we're celebrating the goodness of God at work in your life. You are in partnership with God. Expect great things. Now, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word and all that you've done here today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you again next week. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.